0: it is in, um but it should be we should be able to um yeah yeah come and tell me what you want i think uh that's welcome where right where's worship where, okay so yeah still still loading but i can move them around
1: right so number one is give you jesus love on my soul yeah and then the next one straight after to that is breakfast love Okay. And then raise a hallelujah. Yeah. Nice. And then where a grave is your victory. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And, the and then the rest are okay for afterwards? Well, or? The, I haven't to, and to be so way too many songs. I just yeah. chose a few that I might want to do. And in, in
0: reality, fashion. doing this, adding in your own chair out as well as having a coffee. I'm going to talk for half an hour. I might not have much afterwards. Yeah, I agree. So you'll just get to the end. Well,
1: let's reflect on the word. Not yes. <laughs> yeah, no, good,
0: good. No, that's fine. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Help us So very All right, just that. Or do you want the
0: Good morning. <laughs> good morning. Thank you so much for your uh, cooperation this morning. We are starting our series going through the book of 1 Thessalonians. And I want to start by asking you a question, but I don't want you to shout out answers. What does a good church look like? What makes a church a good church is it a church that is large in number is a good church a church that has a great website and a large social media following is a good church a church that has seats out from the start is a good church is a good church one with a charismatic leader is a good church, one with a great program of activities. I wonder if we ever ask the Bible that question. If we ever ask God that question. What makes a good what makes a church a good church in God's eyes? And as we start our series in One Thessalonians this morning. I think we get part of God's answer to that question, what makes a church a good church for the reasons that God thinks, not because of the reasons that we might think. None of those things that I listed are bad, but I'm going to tell you that today you're going to see they are not, none of them, at the top of God's list. Because Paul holds the Thessalonians up as an example of a good church. He says of them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 7 and 8, You became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For so not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith has gone forth everywhere. Everywhere is talking about this Thessalonian church. Everywhere is talking about them. They are lifted up in Paul's letter as a good church, one that everyone is talking about, everyone is seeing. There is an example here that we are to follow. And today I want to talk about what made the church in Thessalonica, or modern-day Thessaloniki, The sort of church that was known of everywhere for God's good reasons. One of the really special things about this book, Thessalonians, is, is that it is so, we can see it, you know, we can see it in the book of Acts, we can see the formation of it, we can see what's happening here, the, 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 the letter that we're going to read over the next few weeks, we see it setting in history in the book of Acts. In Acts 16 we read of Paul on his second missionary journey and and he was stopped from entering Asia and he's on this missionary journey he's with Silas and Timothy and they're wanting to take the gospel to new places and they're stopped and eventually one night in a dream Paul sees a vision of a man from Macedonia who urges him come to Macedonia come and share the gospel here with us. And so Paul and his team, having wanted to go into Asia, go into uh, Macedonia and and to Achaia, to modern-day Greece. And we read that having done that, having gone to Macedonia, which is like a region, that they go first to Philippi. And in Philippi, we read that Paul and his team... Were arrested and imprisoned and beaten, and that was because Paul set free a lady who was a fortune teller, and so people of the city were in uproar because they've lost this source of income that was theirs because now she's been set free, and and they were beaten and arrested and imprisoned to the point where when they were released they had they just had to leave, and so they leave Philippi and they go to Thessalonica. And we read about this in Acts 17. Paul spent three weeks, just three weeks, preaching in the synagogues, explaining to them uh, who Jesus was, how he was the fulfillment of all of their scriptures, and what has happened. We, we we, we, We see in Thessalonians the implication that he also spent time ministering to the Gentile population in Thessalonica. They weren't there for very long. I mean, who knows? Maybe they were preaching to the Gentiles during the three weeks that they were in the synagogue. Maybe they were preaching to the Gentiles afterwards. But again, they were mistreated. And we read this in Acts 17. The Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in uproar, and attacked the house of Jacob, sorry, Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. They were after Paul and his team. After Paul, after Silas, after Timothy. They wanted to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities shouting, these men who have turned the well upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them this night. He's just opened his house up to someone. Paul turned up in town, he liked his message, he said, you can stay with me. And now he's dragged down into the street. Jason has received them. And they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king. Jesus. I've never been dragged out of my house because seldom is being turned upside down by the gospel. After this, Paul and Silas, well, and this is not the Bible house to explain what it is, but I'm telling you the story now. After this, Paul and Silas and Timothy left. They're in danger again. They're, 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 they're at risk again of being beaten, arrested, and imprisoned. And they leave Thessalonica. They leave, but Paul is so concerned for this new church that, that he's barely weeks old, barely months old. Everyone there, a the new believer. The Jews having knowledge of the scriptures, but they've only just learned that Jesus is the, the promised one, the Messiah, the one who was to come, and that, that, that all scripture has been fulfilled. And you've got Gentiles who have turned to God. And Paul was worried about them. And we read this in Acts. And so Paul sends Timothy back to Thessalonica. And, and when Timothy returns to Paul with the report of how they are, Paul writes this letter back to the church. We're talking a church that is months old. Months old. It's one of the earliest New Testament letters. The only letter written before this was Galatians. Let's read it. Why is this church that is just a few months old an example of a good church? One that Paul lifted up to us and therefore God lifts up to us. It's the word of God, isn't it? Not just the words written in red. Why was the church in Thessalonica such a great church? And I'm going to read chapter 1 to you. So it starts with a greeting. Paul, Silas and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God He doesn't even need to tell other churches about about the church in Thessalonica. They've heard. They know. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven who he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. There are three reasons given to explain why the church in Thessalonica was such a great bunch. I'm going to list them now for you note takers. They received Paul and his Gospel. They turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And lastly they awaited his return. Those are the three things that made this church a good church. So reason number one, they received Paul and his gospel. There are are three simple steps in God's plan of salvation, of his plan of how the world will be turned upside down for his glory and for his name's sake. And that is this. The gospel goes out. People receive the gospel. Most people join these people and taking the gospel out that's it it's that simple that's god's plan now i know we jones last week that or a couple of weeks ago but we would actually love it if you know like boris johnson can have a dramatic conversion experience and lead the nation to god god's plans are much earthier than that he has chosen you and he has chosen me that is his plan it is that we receive the gospel and that we take the gospel out with us. Church is a birth, churches share the gospel, churches a birth. It really is that simple. To receive Paul and, and his gospel, the gospel of God, was to receive the word of God, was to receive God. In verse 6 it says, And you became imitators of us, church and Thessalonica. You you imitated Paul and his team, and in doing so, you became imitators of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. There's a temptation, isn't there, in difficult times, and we, we see it today, to compromise on what it means to follow God for the easy life. Let's just be quiet about sex being between one man and one woman in the union of marriage. It doesn't go down well these days. Let's stop talking about it. No. The church in Thessalonica never compromised on what the gospel was. And so amid great suffering, they received the word of God with the joy of the Holy Spirit. They, They enjoyed in their faithful accepting of the word of God. The inner testimony of the Holy Spirit saying, This is the way walking. They enjoyed that. In chapter 2, Paul says this. I'll be preaching on this next time we come back to this, which won't be next week because we have the joint Pentecost service here in the evening. There is no service in the morning. So, 6 o'clock for drinks and nibbles, 6 there to start. Please come. It's going to be a really lovely time together with all the churches from Selfton. Paul says this in chapter 2. And we also thank God God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. It's revolutionary for us today, isn't it? That, That this is the word of God. That this isn't, now we know it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, and, and, and written through men, it's the word of God, it's God brief. it's alive and active, it's all useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. I'm not saying it is easy, but one mark of a good church is that they receive the gospel, they receive the word of God joyfully, even amid much affliction. Second reason, they turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Belief in God isn't merely what God is after. He is after actions. He is after lives changed. True encounter with God leads to lives being changed and lives being ongoingly changed. James said, didn't he, in James 1, that, that it's the doers and not being the hearers of the word, who are blessed. Now it is a process, it doesn't happen overnight. Something happens in an instant. You become justified before God. You're free, you're given, new creations. But there's a process, isn't there? A life of sanctification, a life of change to come. In receiving the gospel, the believers in Thessalonica turned to God from idols. They believed in him, they put their trust in him that it didn't end there. They did that and they served the living and true God. And We see a flavour of what their service looked like in chapter 1. Work produced by faith. Labour prompted by love. Endurance inspired by hope. As a quick aside, I've loved, as i prepared this, seeing that those three, faith, hope, love, You see the development of it in Paul's theology. You know, it's mentioned in Galatians, the first letter. It's mentioned here in the second letter. And then it finds its fullest description in 1 Corinthians 13 that we preached on last year. Doesn't envy, not angry, doesn't boast, doesn't keep a record of wrongs, endures all things, hopes all things, believes all things. It's patient, it's kind. This is the community, this is the way the church in Thessalonica Works. That was how they worked, produced by faith, labour prompted by love, endurance, inspired by hope. <coughs> I've been talking a lot recently about, about our corporate worship, how we can come expecting and believing that God might talk through any one of us for our building up. That is only one part though, isn't it, of how we build one another up. I said this week in the Round Robin, I quoted Hebrews 10 let us consider how to spur one another on to love and good works. The thought of sharing something from a microphone might terrify you, but you might be someone who quietly comes alongside someone and encourages. You might have a gift of hospitality. There are so many ways that we can bring what we have work produced by faith, labour prompted by love endurance, uh, inspired by hope. So how has God gifted you? If we're going to be a good church like this, well, we're going to accept the word joyfully, even when it's tough, we're going to say, God, problems with me, not with your word, help me. And we're going to serve, aren't we? We're going to give of ourselves to one another. How has God gifted you? What has he put in your hands that you can use for the building up of this body. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians that working for our good is a mark of a good church. And so thirdly, third mark of a good church in 1 Thessalonians 1, they are awaiting the return of Jesus from heaven who saves us from the wrath to come. Belief in God and a life of service to him isn't just for this life. What we're doing today, what we do throughout the week, is not for this life. It's not merely for this life. Paul says elsewhere, doesn't he, in fact, that if it is only for this life that we have hope, that we're more to be pitied than anyone. There is a life to come. We await it eagerly. A good church awaits the return of Jesus eagerly. I'm going to grind a little axe for a minute, so forgive me, but it's appropriate given this passage. There is a phrase which I have grown to strongly dislike the phrase is that is of living my best life you ever heard that living my best life you're not you're not and you can't you absolutely can't how can we possibly live our best life now when, in the life to come, there will be no more death or sickness or crying or pain. sin be dealt with, there will be peace. Right now, on this earth, we see pain and suffering everywhere. We see the kingdom of darkness at war with the kingdom of light. We cannot and we must not try to live our best life now. When we became Christians, we became strangers and aliens in a foreign world. Well. When Jesus came to earth, the kingdom of God came with him. On the cross, the kingdom of God was victorious over the kingdom of darkness. And ever since that day, the kingdom of darkness' days have been numbered. There are fewer of them today than there were yesterday. And Jesus is coming back. He will return. This is the main theme of the book of 1 Thessalonians. It gets talked about every single chapter. It's something we're going to be talking about a lot. Jesus is coming back. We mustn't try and live our best life now. We receive the word of God amid trials In the joy of the Holy Spirit. We live lives of service to one another to see the kingdom advance, to see the gospel advance, to see people come to faith because it is not about this life. This life is like a tent. It's temporary. We will live in a house. This is, you know, this is like, this, it's like this is the illusion that the life that is to come is the real deal. The second place, the second way that that this coming of Jesus impacts us is in our relationships with those people who don't know him. We, God's children, will be saved from the rock to come, simply because we are found in Jesus, for absolutely no other reason. We don't deserve it, we haven't earned it. It is simply because of what he has done that we are found in him and we will be saved from the wrath that is to come. I have friends who are who are better people than me. I look at them, and I go, Man, you, you are such an amazing person. You give to the poor, you, you're an amazing, you're a better person than I am. And yet, if they haven't put their faith in Jesus when he returns, they will not be saved from the wrath that is to come. And even though they're a better person than I am, I will them That grieves me. It, it, it makes me desire to share this good news with them as, as clumsily as I do that at times. I'm trying to share something with my barber last month when I got my hair cut. It didn't go well. I'm going to get my hair cut in the next few days. I'm going to sit down in a chair with you. I'll continue to. We really we we really it does us good to remember this. It does us good to remember Jesus is coming again. The pain that we experience now will be dealt with. No more death, or sickness, or crime, or pain. It does us good to remember this. So, those are the three reasons that 1 Thessalonians gives us for why the church in Thessalonica was a good church. That doesn't mean that all of those other things that I slightly facetiously listed aren't things that we should hope for and try to grow. But these are the things that the Bible says are the marks of a good church faithful to the word serve one another in love and then await Jesus' return eagerly live conscious of the fact that this life isn't him he is coming again will he find faith on the earth? will he find men and women ready for his return? or will he find men and women about their own business doing their own thing? what will he find? Just one, one final reflection on this. I, I quite often consider the letters written to the church in Revelation and I wonder which, which letter most fits God. I didn't know the book of Thessalonians very well. I wouldn't have come to this and, and seen this before now. This Thessalonian church lifted up as an example Their fame has gone out from Thessalonica so that everyone is talking about them in this first century. Everyone's talking about them. They are held up as a model church, a model community of Christian faith. They've had only been believers for a few months. Longevity of relationship with God isn't necessarily a factor in maturity. It isn't. It wasn't for these guys. It couldn't possibly have been. And we have to balance that reality against other things in Scripture. You know, don't lay hands on people too quickly. Test the spirits. You know, we, we have to weigh that. But, but there is a, a truth that these guys did amazingly because in those few months that they had existed as a church, having received the gospel from Paul in those three weeks that he preached in the, in the synagogue, and in however long he was preaching to the Gentiles, and as I say, if you can read this in Acts 17, they received it so well that their lives changed so much that they so eagerly awaited Jesus' return because they were living conscious that this life isn't him. That they are lifted up as an example of a great church. I really appreciate it, Linda, what you shared earlier. There you are. Thank you. We are in a battle. There is spiritual warfare being waged all around us. That battle will be done. It will be completely and utterly finished. That battle is not going to rage forever. Jesus will return, and everything that stands up against him will crumble. He will usher in a new heaven, a new earth. And we will live with him in peace and harmony for eternity together. Not winding one another up, not offending one another, not ignoring one another, not hurting one another. It will be perfect. Nothing in us that sinfully takes offence or sinfully causes offence will be there. It will be perfect. We need to, like the Thessalonians, Live looking forward to that day because that day is coming and that life will be much better than this one. And we want to call people to that, like the Thessalonians did. Can you imagine the call to join a Christian in Thessalonica at this time. Jason dragged out of his house, threatened. Paul treated so badly, he had to leave Thessalonica. Come oh, join us, we'll have great fun. Be lovely. There is a truth to the gospel that is so much more glorious than what this world offers. I, uh, as I say, that list that I shared was facetious. I lament much of what I see in Christianity around the world. I don't think this list, these three things, I don't think would be very high on many of our lists. If we were to honestly sit down and go, what makes a church a good church? Faithful to Scripture, serving one another, awaiting Jesus' return. I don't think they'd be, forgive me if I'm wrong, if you're going, no, they'd be my top three. I think that they are things that we need to grow to increasingly. Let's pray. Jenny, I know we said we needn't, but we've got 10 minutes, so it would be good to please if you can. Let's pray. Yeah, if you, you want to bow your head, close your eyes, whatever you need to do to focus on God, I'm going to take a sip of water again and then I'm afraid be really perfect.
1: Love. Yes. And you get your, yeah. People. Yeah. Guys. Love. So love pain. Love life. Yeah. It goes round and round. Mm-hmm. And we have to just be careful that we have to love one another first and last. And yes, we have to uh, want to.
0: I, I I hope I'm not misunderstanding you. Um, I, um, I I haven't meant to No no, no I'm saying you did that. great okay, okay good, good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that us as a church, you know, these people they have their lives yeah. it, people are like, it's just, uh, You know, we all put up
1: here, but the whole world Yeah. are you. are not following that, we're going to judge you. are going to judge you. not
0: Paul and Silas and Timothy, they received it not as men's ideas, but as the Word of God, which it really is. And so, Lord, we want to continually be coming to your Word. We want to continually surrender ourselves to you. We want to surrender our thoughts and our actions and our words to you. Lord, we thank you for your grace that covers us. We thank you that you are committed to journeying with us. You love us gently. You draw us. It's Hosea, a verse that I love, with with cords of love and with ties of humankind. You draw us so gently. And Lord, we we want to do two things. We want to call others to you gently, but we don't want to mince our words about the realities of sin. And, and of judgment. You are coming again to judge the living and the dead. And not everyone will stand on that day. And yet right now, you make your plea through us. And so Lord, I pray that you would give us grace and wisdom to, as ambassadors for Christ, say be reconciled to God to your heavenly Father who loves you. Holy Spirit, would you fill us? Lord, would you help us to receive your word where where it offends us, and it must and it should, where it offends us, Lord, would you make our hearts soft to hear your voice? Lord, would you inspire in us work prompted by love, labour promoted by faith and endurance Inspired by hope, would you do something wonderful among us, Lord? We don't want to lift ourselves up portively, Lord, but we want to pray. Would you do something in us, Lord? We ask as your body here in Croydon Church, Lord. Would you do something in us? We do. We pray as Trevor prayed this morning, Lord. Would your blessing fall on every church in Croydon? and in London and the nation, but we pray, would you turn people to you, and Lord, we pray those prayers, and we pray, start with me, start with us, Lord, we want to walk with you, have your way, up, pray, in Jesus' name, Amen. 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 amen.